In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The epistle tells us, quote, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the profit of all. Our epistle today talks about spiritual gifts. It's a topic that comes up in a few passages in the New Testament. And the word for gifts in the New Testament is the Greek word charisma, from which we get a word charismatic or charism. And unfortunately, in our culture, the word charismatic has often been co-opted by certain kinds of Christians to focus on a certain spiritual gift, namely the gift of speaking in tongues, which was, I think it's becoming a little less prevalent as a focus, but therefore to call someone a charismatic Christian would assume that they were in a group that focused on that particular kind of activity. But it's a very inaccurate use of that word because the word gift or charism or charismatic applies in New Testament to every single Christian and it's related to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ, which means the anointed one. That's the literal meaning of Christ, the anointed one. And he's the one who is anointed with the Holy Spirit in fulfillment of all of the Old Testament uh, forerunners of that, the prophets, priests, and kings upon whom the Holy Spirit came. The place where he was most clearly revealed to be the anointed one is in his baptism. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in baptism, and the Father says, this is my Son, whom I am well pleased. But the gift of the Spirit descending upon him shows him to be the Christ, the anointed one. And when the gift of the Spirit is shared by the Father through Christ with us on Pentecost, we become anointed ones. We share in the gift of the Spirit, and uh, with that gift of the Spirit in a general way, we receive gifts of the Spirit. There are individual ways that each of us serve God according to, as, as the epistle says, there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. And so each of us has spiritual gifts and each Christian, therefore, is necessarily charismatic. You can't be charismatic, you can't be a Christian without being charismatic and you can't be charismatic without being a Christian. You can't have the Holy Spirit you can't be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. So you necessarily, by the very definition of who we are, we are, we are spirit bearers. We have been anointed by God. We have been given gifts. And some of those gifts are historically, as Epistle highlights, are a little bit more, I don't know if you call them spiritual or they manifest themselves in stranger ways like speaking in tongues, which is often misused and counterfeited. There's legitimate gift by which people are able to speak in a language they didn't know before. And then there are illegitimate manifestations of it, which some of you know from places you've been in the church. But St. Paul puts that last in the list in the epistle to, to de-emphasize it because the Christians of Corinth were overemphasizing it. There was a kind of a showboating aspect to what they were doing. People who would do that would get up front and see me talk and St. Paul saying in some other places also that that's what watching you do something is not the point. The point is how does it edify the whole body? The spirit is for the, the, the good of all. But there are other more ordinary kinds of gifts that are equally charismatic, gifts of administration, gifts of service, gifts of teaching, uh, gifts of helping, gifts of giving. Some have the gift of giving money. Some, these are gifts and, and each and every one of them is equivalently a manifestation of the Spirit, a charismatic gift. 
The whole framework of having a spiritual gift is part of the reorientation of our lives away from self-centeredness and towards the worship of God and the service of others. By nature, we are self-centered, and that's our misery. We're, we're caught up in our own uh, world, our own selfish concerns. To be saved is precisely to be drawn out of that self-centeredness into, first, the worship of God, to love God with our heart, soul, and mind. So we worship God fully. And then as we're reconciled with God and we experience union with God in Christ with the Spirit, then the Spirit moves us to move outwardly. The experience we've had from God moves outwardly into service to others. And, and, and we become lovers of others rather than takers and, 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 and selfish. And so your gifts are the ways that that manifests itself. And this reflects this, this orientation towards giving reflects the economy of the kingdom of God. The world and the evil one teach us that giving is a zero-sum game. That is, if I do something for you or give something to you, you've benefited from that gift and I've lost, I've given, so I'm down and you're up. That's sort of the, and a lot of people think of life that way. That's why they don't give. Because they think, well, why would I give you what I have? It's mine. And, and we have a culture that's really focused on accumulation. How do I get more for me? But the, 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 paradoxically, that's the misery of our culture. The economy of the kingdom teaches us the truth of the kingdom of God is that giving enriches us. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall be given into your bosom. With the measure you give, it will be measured back to you. And the more we orient our lives towards giving, towards loving people, towards sharing what we have, the way God shares what he has with us, the more rich and full our lives become. The most discontented people are the most self-absorbed people. And the most full and rich people are the people who've learned, who, who've tapped into the love of God in their own lives, receiving that grace from God, and then turn around in ministry to others by sharing that love with other people. And that's what we do every week. We come back to renew our experience of God's love at the altar so we can go out and do the good works he's called for us to do. And if we do that, we become full and rich. And when we fall away from the worship of God, we become empty and our behavior becomes more self-centered. So this is, this is the, the reality. So gifts are just the manifestation of being in this economy of God as, as givers. God allows us to be givers, to partake of part of the work of the church on his behalf. We can determine what our spiritual gifts are by, by figuring out what it is that we're able to do for others, that we feel good about doing, and the other is benefited by. Sometimes people think they have a gift and they want to give us something, but nobody really wants it. <laughs> and that's not a gift. It's not a gift if you think you have a gift. I mean, you know, it, it, it's why even, for example, like vocations to ministry is tested. Yes, you have a personal call, but does the community think you have a call too? Are they receiving what you're giving? Sometimes people, you know, you know I've had people say, you know, I have a gift of teaching. And so it's, I, you know, you know, as it plays out, you realize they think so, but just nobody wants to hear them teach. So this is the way we test. What do we, what do we give of ourselves and others respond to that gift and, and are edified by it? 
And that's that, that transaction of mutuality. In the body of Christ, there's a balance. We'll give to some and some will receive from us. But in a good, healthy relationship in the church, those are usually mutual. We'll give and some will benefit from our gift, but we'll, they probably have something in return they give back to us. And then we each, there's a multi-level uh, dynamic to this. If you think about it, you see why giving works when you look at it is if you're part of a community in which everybody is giving to everybody else, then you've got a whole bunch of people seeking your good. In a selfish community, everyone's just alone. It's like C.S. Lewis's city in the Great Divorce where everyone builds a house further and further away from each other. So, so we think, what, what do we give that others are edified by and we feel good about doing it? We also have to be aware and use the spiritual gifts of, of tendency, which is sometimes uh, not checked enough in the church. Some people uh, give too much because they feel responsible for everything and they can never say no. So every need in the church they pick up, and they're going to run around and busily do it. Um, to really have a gift, we have, to, um, we have to be able to say no to using the gift. We have to be able to give it when we think this is good for somebody. We have to be able to say, maybe this isn't, maybe I should let this go right now. Maybe there's something here. We have to have control over it so we can say yes and no. Otherwise, it's a compulsion. We have to look at that. In the, all, the use of gifts is, is sort of uh, governed by the central, what I would argue is a central New Testament passage about spiritual gifts, which is 1 Corinthians 13 which follows right on our, our epistle today, <clears throat> where St. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am nothing, or I'm a sounding gong. A lot of times that, that is read at marriages is not about marriage. It's about spiritual gifts. <clears throat> it's about our motive in giving. And, and what he's saying is, if I have this gift of speaking in tongues, he's really getting at the Corinthians, but I'm doing it to say, hey, look at me, it doesn't mean anything. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 13, if I uh, you know, give all my goods to the poor, but do it because I want a plaque on the wall and people to think I'm great, it doesn't count. So, so love is the motive that makes our spiritual gifts fruitful and, and edifying to others. And in our use of the gifts, we're growing in the motive of love. There was one... Uh, head of an organization who said, if we waited for the perfect motive, no work would ever get done. So we are all, we all have selfish motives. We all give sometimes and, and so no one thanks us, we're hurt or something. That happens to all of us. Um, but we're, what we're trying to do in the Christian life is purify our motives. We come to the altar of God, purify more and more. Why am I doing this? So that what I give is I give it freely and if no one responds, I gave it because it's a gift. Just as God sent his son, gave his son to die for us, and whether anyone responds to it or not, that's the gift of love he gives. So we, when, when our motives are purer, we're doing the right thing, we're giving because we're called to give, and because we're participating in this reality of life in the, in the spirit. So... All Christians should have a sense of ministry, a sense of how I serve other people for Christ as part of the totality of the ministry of the body of Christ. And you should have a sense of, of what your ministry is. What are your spiritual gifts? How is your life being oriented away from self-centeredness 
in, into service. Uh, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the profit of all. Uh, good question for meditation today is what, what is your ministry? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.